Welcome to Japanatron, my name is Dave Pavlina, and Japanatron is a podcast all about life in Japan and Japanese culture. Woo, I'm getting good at that, huh? Today's topic is IT jobs in Japan. I want to talk about the IT industry in Japan, so if you're not a computer geek like me, you can tell by my voice, this is the voice of a, a guy that fixes computers, <laughs> then um, you might not want to listen to this. But if you are interested in the IT industry in Japan, then this episode is for you. I work in IT in Japan. And、uh, I got a job in IT. And some people have asked me, how did you do that? What's the deal with IT jobs in Japan? How do you get your foot in the door? So I will briefly tell you my story. And、uh, yeah, Mike, because my story is just so goddamn interesting. You know, you just have to know my story. And then、uh, I'll get into some learnings, some things that I've learned about life in the IT world in Japan. Okay, so let's get started. My story I grew up with computers in the house.、Uh, my dad got us a computer、uh, when I was six, an Atari 800. I was programming on, on it in, in BASIC. So, I just grew up with、uh, computers. I,、uh, my, my family is an engineering family, I guess you could say. When I got to around the time when I'm entering college, you know,、uh, naturally I was seriously considering majoring in computer science. That would be the obvious route, right? However, I took some computer programming classes、uh, in high school, and I just hated programming. I was just up all night doing these projects. And I remember one particular night, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I can't do this for the rest of my life. No, no fucking way, man. No, this is hell. It was the programming is so tedious to me that I just couldn't imagine myself doing it for the rest of my life as a career. So I got to college, I majored in psych. And I love that. I love psych. psych was an,、uh, psychology was another subject that I really bonded with in high school, and I majored in that. While I was in college, you know, people get college jobs, right? You know, you work at McDonald's or something, you know, to make some extra money. I got a job. A friend of the family is a realtor, and I was working at her real estate office. And she didn't automate anything, nothing was computerized. I was doing all this stuff by hand. And being such a, a hardcore computer geek, I'm like, hey, How about we automate some of this stuff? I think it would make it a lot easier on you. So I started doing that for her, and she really、uh, liked that. It really made her work a lot more efficient. Word got out, other people in the office started referring me, and、uh, the other realtors wanted me to start working for,、uh, for them and start automating some of their processes. And I was just showing them computers, fixing computers. You know, you know the way computers are. You always have to have that geeky friend, you know, the, the, the guy or the girl, the, you know, the friend of a friend or someone in the neighborhood that's really good with computers. And you call that guy or girl and they help you out. I was that guy. And I started just getting referred、uh, around the neighborhood. And the fact that I was working at a real estate office, 
I was literally getting referred around the neighborhood because everyone knows you're a local realtor. So I was just getting referred, 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 and this was through college. I was still an undergrad. And my neighbor actually referred me to his company that was looking for some computer savvy people still in college, basically cheap labor to help out with a massive upgrade project they were doing. They needed some some computer savvy people. So he referred me to that and I was doing some odd jobs for them. And uh, I was getting around the time when I was going to graduate from college and they offered me a job. That's how I got my IT job out of college. I was looking at other stuff because I was a psych major. I was looking at other industries like marketing or things like that where they might where they might hire some psych grads. But uh, I got offered this IT job and the salary was pretty good, <laughs> of course, especially for someone straight out of college. And it was a great opportunity. And, and I worked there. Uh, it was a financial company in downtown LA. And my boss, I'll never forget, my, the best boss I ever had, the best manager I've ever had, he was my Yoda. He taught me everything I knew, everything I know about IT. And it just so happens that the office in LA I was working at, they had a branch office in, da, 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 wait for it, Tokyo, okay? So my first year out of college, there was a business trip coming up, and the big boss had to go to the Tokyo office. They had no local IT support, so guess who got to go with them? They picked me. I was really happy because I think the reason they picked me was I was interested in going to Asia and really no one else in our little IT department was. They wanted to go to the Paris office or, you know, one of the more exotic locations, one of the more European locations, I should say. The other people in the IT department at my first company were just not interested in going to Asia. And I was, so I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. So he took me and I just fell in love with, with Japan. It was, it was just love. It was love when I got off the plane. I was like, man, this is where I belong. And uh, so begins my love affair with not only IT, but uh, Japan. So I was doing these business trips uh, once in a while to Tokyo, our little Tokyo office, and just loving it. And it came to a point where I just started, I started studying Japanese. It just so happens that as I was driving home from work, there was a Japanese language school just right near my house with a big sign that says Japanese lessons. And I just remember I had a business trip coming up and I'm like, man, that would be pretty cool. And that would definitely seal the deal for me. I would always get picked for those Tokyo trips if I spoke a little Japanese because my boss and I spoke nothing, nothing at all, which really wasn't a big deal in, in Tokyo, of course. But I was thinking, man, if I spoke a little Japanese, I would be like the obvious choice for these business trips. So I started taking Japanese lessons and it just planted these seeds like, yeah, I think I want to move to Japan, man. I'm really digging this place. I think part of it, too, was that was actually my first trip abroad. I had this shiny new passport and Tokyo was my first trip out of the country uh, for this business trip. And it was it just kind of started the whole thing. So. I was working there, and now the obvious choice, of course, would be to get a transfer, right? Request a transfer to the Tokyo office. Maybe I could just, you know, slide right in here. And I don't know, I, I just reached this point in my life, 
I was kind of looking into that. And I was like, man, I grew up in L.A. And then from L.A. to Tokyo, big city to big city, I was fairly young. You know, I was about four years out of college and unmarried, no kids, of course, you know, living the dream. And I'm like, man, if I'm going to do Japan, I got to do this shit right. So I got to take a break from this corporate world thing and really take a breath of fresh air and see if this is really what I want to do for the rest of my life, this corporate IT thing. Because I was in financial IT, which is a fairly corporate environment, meaning translation there is uh, you got to deal with some egos. I'll just put it that way. So I was kind of looking into going to Tokyo, staying with my company, requesting a transfer, or doing another IT job in Japan, and I just started taking some Japanese lessons. You know, my Japanese wasn't wasn't really great, of course. I only had a f- several months under my belt when I was starting to look in, in, into this. So, of course, the thing came up where if you want to go to Tokyo, if you want to go to Japan, I should say, teach English. That's the way you get to Japan. And I started looking into the English teaching route. Because that's a real obvious, real popular way to get your ass in Japan, of course, as a native English speaker, of course. And I'm like, man, this is kind of doing Japan the right way, I thought. Live in the countryside for a few years, a year or two. You know, do the real Japan, man. You're still pretty young. You can totally do this. And that is really what I decided to do. So I, as you've heard possibly from my previous podcast, I worked at Eon, way out in the countryside, Totori to be specific, and taught English there for two and a half years. Now, I will be honest, if you are getting into IT and you're thinking of moving to Japan to do IT, this is an obvious route. In fact, the English teaching thing is an obvious way to get your visa for a lot of industries. I've met lawyers. I'm working in a law firm right now in IT. I met lawyers that's, that came to Japan. They were lawyers in their home countries, and then they came to Japan as English teachers, if you can imagine that, got the visa, and then became, and then switched over to back to law in Japan. So it's not just the IT industry, but of course, IT jobs are one of the more popular industries for foreigners in Japan. So I guess... Summing up my history there is that it's the English teaching method is a really popular way to get your visa. So basically, when I came here, and I don't know if this is still the case, and of course it probably differs by country, but I got a three-year visa, and a lot of people get a three-year visa, and you have a one-year contract. Now, that kind of works out because you finish up your English teaching one-year contract and then you still have two years left on your visa. I love the English teaching and I extended and I did it for two and a half years. And then it came time, you know what? IT is one of those industries you don't want to be out of for too long. You know, the the resume could start looking a little rusty. You know, I, uh, I, I had some nice Windows NT4 skills on my resume. <laughs> They're on, like, you know, Windows Server 2003 around this time. 
R2 <laughs> is the standard. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be out of IT too long because if I'm going to go back to IT, I better do this now rather than later. So two and a half years later in, in into English teaching, I'm like, you know, I better go back to IT now. So I stopped the English teaching thing and I really wanted to actually live in Osaka. I loved Osaka. It just really, as a city, it's one of those that just really just touched me in the right way. It resonated with me. I hate that expression, but I use it anyway. It resonated with me. Being from L.A., I don't know. It was one of those things like L.A. is famous for being casual because it's the West Coast and it's got the, you know, Hollywood entertainment scene and, you know, all that. And Osaka's got the casual stuff, you know, their, their Osaka Ben, you know, the way of speaking and, and they're famous for their comedy. And Osaka just had that really casual West Coast feeling to me. Tokyo reminds me, I've heard this comparison a lot. Tokyo reminds me of New York. However, Tokyo was the choice, obvious choice by far, because of course, I'm sure you've heard, Tokyo is the place for opportunities for foreigners for the job market. That's where all the branch offices are of foreign companies, is Tokyo. I'm not saying there's no jobs in Osaka, but there's just a lot more in Tokyo, I think. That might be changing, and I honestly I haven't looked into it recently, and maybe I should. Maybe I should get out of, out of Tokyo and go <laughs> live the dream and go to Osaka, but I, I just, I, I checked off Tokyo. That's the obvious choice for foreigners. I was doing some job hunting, and I found most, the majority, 99% of the IT jobs up there were in Tokyo. So I'm like, all right, I got to move to Tokyo. I moved to Tokyo. I had six months left of my visa. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> How am I going to find a job? I got to find a job in, in under six months because my visa is going to run out. So I wouldn't recommend waiting that long into your visa. <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect, but it worked out for me. I had a lot of prospects. I had a lot of good things going for me. I had some relatively decent Japanese skills. I had a visa as opposed to no visa, and I had some IT experience. I also, ding, 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 the real big advantage is when I was working at my old company in the Tokyo office taking these business trips, I had made some business contacts. There were some vendors, and I was familiar, I, I had met some people from the companies that work in there, so I, I met some people, you know, it's always who you know, so I had a, a short list of people to call as soon as I moved to Tokyo that I had stayed in touch with over the years, and said, man, if you want to get an IT in Tokyo, once you move, give me a call, I'll, I'll hook you up, so I, I started calling up these people, and that's how I landed my job, ultimately was I called up a business contact. He's a guy that owns a phone company. He sells office phones. He was the one doing our office phones in our old Tokyo office. And I called him up and he's like, he introduced me to a company that was looking for people. I went to the interview and just hit it off with the people there. And ironically, it was another financial company <laughs> in Tokyo. And that's how I landed my first IT job in Tokyo, in Japan was who, who I knew. So it's, I, I got my visa with English teaching. And like I said, that's the way you, that's the way a lot of people do it. The international relations visa, which is the one you get when you're doing English teaching is very, very general. And it was, it's not an obvious transition to IT. The obvious visa would be an engineering visa. And I'll get to that in a minute. But international relations is so general that it worked out. It, 
I started on a, I think it was like desktop engineer, almost like some help desk stuff. And so it wasn't too bad with that visa because when it came time to renew it, they were kind of up playing the bilingual stuff, bilingual help desk, you know, the international stuff, the international relations stuff, right? I, HR, when it came time to renew my visa, they were like, okay, we can either renew your visa as is, or we can go for an engineering visa. And they went for the engineering visa. And the problem with that one was I didn't have a four-year university degree in engineering. And I didn't have, and if you don't have an engineering degree, you're supposed to have something like 10 years of IT experience, which I did not have at that point. So that didn't work out. So we just renewed my international relations visa as it was. And that worked out. They just upplayed that kind of translation, international relations help desk stuff <laughs> to get my visa. So renewing is obviously much easier. It is very hard in my experience, to find companies that will sponsor your visa. And the people that I met that got sponsored had hardcore engineering degrees. With that, you can get an engineering visa, and a company will be more willing to sponsor an IT visa if you have a four-year uh, college degree in an engineering field. Almost, I'm not totally sure on this, but almost without exception, Work visas in Japan, in, you know, like non-entertainment industries, I will say, require a four-year college degree. Even the English teaching one, of course, as, you know, if anyone has looked into it. You need a four-year college degree in order to even to come over here and teach English. So, which is a good thing, I think. But, so, that makes it a challenge for the IT industry because you need a four-year college degree in engineering to hope to get sponsored for your visa. So that's one way that people get sponsored is they have a hardcore engineering degree. Another another way I've seen where they get sponsored for a visa to go, go directly into IT, they have no visa at all, they didn't do the English teaching route, was they transferred from an overseas office, which like I said, my first company could have been an option for me possibly. But it's hard for you to you know, seek a job. Let's say you graduate college and you seek an IT job in the U.S., for example. It's hard to go to a job interview and say, oh, I see you have a Tokyo office. I'd like to transfer to that someday. I don't know if you could really bring that up during a job interview because obviously the, the hiring manager would be looking to fill a position in their office. I don't know, unless you're working at some huge global company like Google or something. And you just say, hey, I'd like to work in your Tokyo office, but I'm in the U.S. right now. Could you hook me up with a visa? That, to me, sounds like a long shot. Now, I want to talk about the learnings uh, that I'll sum up with my whole story here. So thank you for being patient with my long-windedness. There are three things I've learned. And basically, when it comes to IT jobs in Japan, there are three buckets and your chances of obtaining an IT job in Japan depend on how full these three buckets are, okay? Bucket number one is your Japanese language skills. How good is your Japanese? Do you have Japanese language proficiency test, you know, a certification? I don't. However, I studied Japanese for about a year before moving here. 
I lived in the countryside for two and a half years. That helped a lot. My kanji reading and writing sucks, still. However, in the IT industry, with email and predictive texting and internet and, you know, online translation and all that, I get by. My conversation is probably my strength. I, I, can, I, can, I can do business. I can get my job done in Japanese. So that's the first bucket. What are your language skills looking like, especially Japanese? Do you speak other languages? That'll, that'll help even more. Is your English native? Is it fluent? So your language skills are bucket number one, especially Japanese, obviously. Bucket number two, your visa situation. Do you have no visa? Are you looking for sponsorship? Well, that's kind of an empty bucket. Do you have a visa already? You know, are you transferring in? You have an English teaching visa. You know, you got two years left on your English teaching visa. Well, there's a nice bucket, kind of filled up that one. Do you have an even better visa? Do you have like a spousal visa? Or do you have permanent residence? You probably won't be listening to this podcast if you already have permanent residence, obviously. But uh, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine was living in his home country, and he met a nice Japanese girl, and they fell in love, and they got married in his home country, and then they decided to move to Japan together. Now, he's coming into Japan. He just happened to be an IT guy in his home country, married a Japanese girl, moved over, and so he entered the country. Maybe his Japanese skills weren't so good, but he came in with the uh, with the visa already set and done. He has spousal visa, so that helps your job search a lot. So that's bucket number two, your visa situation. What's that looking like? Bucket number three, obviously, is your experience, your degree, your IT background. What IT experience do you have? Do you have a degree in in, uh, IT? Do you have any kind of certifications? How much of that experience and skills and whatever? Now, this this bucket number three is obviously not specific to Japan, so I won't get into this too much. But those are the three buckets. How full are those three buckets? If all three of those are full, you have a kick-ass. <laughs> you will have the pick of the litter when it comes to IT jobs. If one of those buckets is empty, for example, you speak no Japanese, um, what about the other two buckets? Maybe look into getting a visa by the English teaching route or marry a nice Japanese girl and get a spousal visa. Fill up the other two buckets to compensate for the third bucket that's empty. Now, if you have no IT skills or experience, <laughs> that's a long shot. So if you have a kick-ass visa and some amazing Japanese skills, you're like a double native speaker. Shit, maybe you might be able to land a help desk position just because of your language skills. So just think about those three buckets. You know, the, the language, the Japanese skills, the visa, and your IT experience. So how many of these buckets can you fill up and how full are those buckets for you? Okay. Last but not least, I want to talk about the types of companies hiring us foreigners in these IT positions. Number one is obviously foreign companies with Japan branch offices. There's lots of these. These are probably the most common ones I see with IT jobs. And there's lots of finance. And I won't get too much into financial IT, but yeah, finance is everywhere. It's banking, it's money, it's Wall Street, blah, blah, blah. All right, they got the money. Financial IT pays really well. Uh, however, the stress sucks. Uh, you'll, you'll have higher stress in your, in your job, but you'll get paid for it. You may have more overtime, and there's different levels of financial IT. 
the the worst probably being like stock trading, you know, trading floors. Oh shit, you don't want to you want to I don't want to do that. Maybe you do, I don't. So there's a lot of finance. You'll see a lot of financial uh, companies, Citibank, whatever. I don't know what happened to Citibank. I heard they got fucked up or something. So <laughs> I don't know. You'll you'll just see a lot of financial firms, the the big guys, the big fi- global financial companies will have Tokyo branch offices, obviously, and they'll need a lot of IT people that speak English. Uh, the number two type of company is what I call tech contractors. These are companies uh, like Systems Go, Panache. They just hire a shitload of IT people, hopefully, that are bilingual, and they do dispatch. These are companies that other companies hire, maybe smaller branch offices that really don't have a budget for their own IT staff. They will outsource to these companies. And so these companies are hiring uh, IT people that speak English because maybe some company like American-based company has a small, let's say, 20-person office in Tokyo. Not big enough to have their own IT person, so they will hire, they'll contract with these companies, these tech contractors, and you might land a job with them. I don't really like these personally because they're client-facing IT. You're working with customers. And that makes me nervous because I'm casual and I cuss a lot. (laughs) I say fucking shit a lot, which doesn't work too well with customers, (laughs) possibly. I prefer internal IT, you know, working with colleagues, coworkers, because I feel it's more casual and more relaxed. I have never really worked in a a client-facing IT job, and I've just never been interested in it. Uh, especially in Japan, because you got, in Japanese, you got Keigo, you got all those different honorifics. I want to fuck that shit up, man. I'm going to get fired in two seconds. That's why I could never do a sales job in Japan either. So I prefer internal IT. I've interviewed at companies like these, these tech contractors, and it's one of those, uh, we agree to disagree. We just, we agree not to proceed with this. Because it's just not a match for me. It might be a match for you. The third type I see are Japanese companies trying to become more international. Now, this depends on the company and the environment, especially how far along they are with that whole internationalization campaign that they're running. I'm not a big fan of being the token foreigner. I went to an interview at a company, Groupon, actually, American company, and I was... Surprised to find at the interview that their uh, their office environment is incredibly Japanese, overwhelmingly Japanese. And when I thought deeply about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, it does make sense because their business model is very, very local. Why would they need English speakers? They're making Japanese language coupons. They're not making English language coupons. None of their business model really involves English, even though it is a global company. Their local business model really doesn't require much English at all. However, they're trying to become more international. And I wasn't really that interested in it because they were not far along at all with that with that deal. <laughs> so there's that. Then there's companies like Rakuten. Rakuten is like the Japan version of Amazon. And they are really pushing this global thing. They have made their business language English. <laughs> I saw it on the news. Rakuten, like, their business language now is English. And they are pushing this Rakuten, you know, they really want to take on Amazon as this global marketplace, as opposed to just being a Japanese company. So, 
that might be one of those environments where it is a Japanese company, but they're really pushing to become more international. And you may have a chance as a foreigner, a native English speaker, a multilingual speaker. Uh, you may have a good chance with landing an IT job at a company like that. Last but not least, I will say there's other. <laughs> you like that? Other. It just covers everything. For example, foreign companies with extremely Japanese environments. Like I said, Groupon. I would consider this almost an affiliate type of thing. Where Groupon, yeah, it's global. It's a it's a American company, but their local business model is very Japanese. So they're looking to hire foreigners because who knows? They want to mix it up a bit. They want to look at someone that's not Japanese walking through the office someday. Uh, maybe Japanese aren't interested. I've heard this before. Is they they have a bad reputation? Maybe watch out. A lot of overtime. Japanese companies don't have the best reputation when it comes to overtime and work-life balance. But I'm not saying all Japanese companies. But just be careful. Why are they looking for a native English speaker when there's absolutely no English required at all? Wouldn't you be better off with a Japanese person? So I've been to interviews like this, and it makes me a little nervous. Like, I am the only foreigner I saw throughout this entire office in the five minutes of experience I've had in your office. And, you know, it'll come up. How, you know, what's your office environment like? How many other foreigners are working here? And it's it shouldn't be important, but it is. Because it raises questions to me. What's What's wrong with this job that now you're looking to hire some guy with business-level Japanese? Wouldn't you be... If there's no English involved with the job, why the fuck are you looking to hire me? This doesn't make much sense to me. So when I'm in a job interview, and this is my advice, think about, does this make sense to you? Is it a foreign company that needs foreigners? Are you going to use some Japanese and some English? Are your language skills and all that going to come into play? Because if not... Yeah, your Japanese might get really better. And yeah, I'm not discouraging you from immersing yourself in Japan. I mean, shit, if I worked at a, a company like that, a just extremely Japanese environment, my Japanese would get a lot better. So, you know, maybe I should give it a chance. But I get nervous. I worked for three months at Shinsei Bank, and I hated it. It was like that. It was just so overwhelmingly Japanese. It, the job didn't make any sense to me. Like, what What the fuck am I doing here? Like, I was the only foreigner in the whole department. And days would go by. And sometimes I'd see, like, another guy. There's, like, a guy from Germany. I'm like, oh, shit, hey, man. What the fuck are you doing here, dude? And we went to lunch. And I don't know, we talked about it. And I, I guess the, the thing is, is you just got to do what's right for you. And that sounds so cliche and such bullshitty. But, you know, if you're at an interview and, and things just don't add up to you, just... Just watch out for that other that other checkbox that I'm telling you about, the other ones, where are they hiring you just because they want someone that's not Japanese walking around? Or do, do they want to put you in like the business pamphlets? You know, like you're sitting on the on the at, in the cafe, the office cafe, chatting it up, you know, like, oh look at we're so fucking international. Look at us. We hired a we hired a non-Japanese person. And then you're gonna be on all the PR materials for that company. 
So I'm not saying that's that's the case for everyone, but but just just be wary of that. There's been a few job interviews where I felt like that as the token foreigner. So that can and will happen. So and, and also, like I said, some some companies in Japan do not have a very good reputation when it comes to crazy overtime. That's kind of the stereotype of Japan. I'm not saying all companies, of course. So. Generally speaking, like I said, I prefer IT jobs where hiring me would make sense. So I respect the fact that you're becoming more international, but at the same time, I worry that maybe you're having trouble finding Japanese staff because even Japanese people don't want this job, and maybe the word is out in the Japanese world, and now you're looking at the foreign world to fill this position because you're getting desperate. (laughs) So just be wary of that. That's the kind of companies... Uh, also, besides companies, there's, and I'm way oversimplifying this, but there's two types of positions here, and this is just a Japanese thing. There's seishine, which is permanent, uh, a permanent position, and that's the one I like, personally, because you, it's hard, really, really hard to get fired in Japan, and once you land a seishine, a permanent position, uh, it's really hard for them to fire you. You have to really, really fuck up constantly and consistently to get fired. So if you land a Seishine position, you're nicely set there. So uh, that's why I prefer Seishine. The other one is Kayakshine, which is a a contractor. Now, a lot of companies will prefer this, especially big companies. Uh, The the position I had at Shinsei Bank was a contractor position. I don't like these because they can get rid of you like garbage as soon as possible. They can just cut you because you're technically not working for that company you're dispatched to. You're, you're working for the dispatch company, which I covered as like the tech contractors. So you, they could just, the, you know, the, the company you're at where you're dispatched to could just say, we don't need this guy. And then you're gone the next day or something. And then the dispatcher company could be like, you're basically a temp. Well, we don't really have anything for you now, so stand by, you know? So it's not as stable of a position. I've heard some people do like it, you know, people who who want some flexibility and some part-timing, and also people, contractors, when I was a contractor, nothing sucks away your motivation better than being a contractor, whether you really don't have anything at stake at the job, you know, they can cut you and so quickly and you don't really give a shit. So yeah, you know, that affects my motivation as well. So when I was, when I was working at that job and everyone's a contractor, you you really see a nicely unmotivated workforce. So I digress. I'm not the biggest fan of Kayak Shine, but some people like it. Some people prefer it, actually. Uh, but I prefer Seishine, and I've heard that uh, echoed uh, throughout the IT industry in Japan, that uh, Seishine is the is the way to go. But, hey, it's up to you. Look into it. Maybe you'd, you'd be a, one of those Kayak Shine people. So, everybody's different, right? Last, let's, let's uh, finish this up. Some resources that have helped me in uh, in looking for IT jobs uh, in this industry, besides meeting people. <laughs> that doesn't really help you very much, does it? I mean, I don't know, unless you get a job out of college or something, and you happen to have a Tokyo branch office, and you happen to get, you know, some business trips out there and meet people. But that could be a challenge for someone just getting started out. So these are some resources if you're just coming in cold, coming in blindly. Number one is careercross.com. I, I like this site. It's a job search site. It's basically for bilingual 
people and uh, you it's just like any job site. It's a basic job site. It's not LinkedIn. It's not like a, a social network type of thing. It's a job it's a pretty straightforward job hunting site and there's a lot of IT jobs up there. The thing I've learned about Career Cross and the IT industry in, in Tokyo, I don't know about Japan. I can't generalize that far. I'll, I'll speak about Tokyo because that's what I know. Is sites like Career Cross, I don't see much direct hiring. There is some of it, but for the most part, the cool thing about Career Cross is you put your resume up there and you say you're in Tokyo and you 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 spend a lot of time in your profile and your resume and then basically every tech recruiter that is trying to fill these positions that where foreigners would be eligible for will contact you so to me career cross is one of those really convenient like one-stop places to just sort of get hooked up with all the tech recruiters another one you might find is die job and I don't have much experience with this one, just because when I was looking at Die Job and Career Cross, it seems like both kind of do the same thing. They basically hook you up with all the tech recruiters in Tokyo. <laughs> so you'll have a bunch of tech recruiters contacting you, and then you'll register with the tech recruiters, and you you might do a little phone interview, or you might go to their office and meet the recruiters, and you'll give them your resume, and they'll they'll kind of you know go through your background. The three buckets I mentioned will come up. They'll go through those three buckets and uh, see how full they are. And then they'll start helping you out. Uh, they'll uh, hopefully contact you with some positions. So career cross and die job. LinkedIn is another one, of course. You might have heard of that one. I don't do LinkedIn just because I don't like the social... I'm an IT guy that hates computers. I, I get really tired with these social network shits with the profile and the emails and spam and shit from these things. Facebook I'll do to stay in touch with friends and family, but I don't want another one. And if I'm if I'm really aggressively looking for a job, I may re-sign up for LinkedIn, but I, I canceled my whole profile and all that shit. So LinkedIn is an obvious other one. And I think, honestly... Career Cross, LinkedIn, and Die Job, they'll probably do, they'll probably accomplish the same thing, which is hook you up with all the tech recruiters. Now, you can also just hunt down all the tech recruiters. I won't go through the list, there's a shitload of them, and just reach out to them directly and register with them. But to be honest, in my experience with those three sites, Career Cross, LinkedIn, and Die Job, it, it's just a one-stop, more convenient place. You just put your resume up in that one place, Career Cross in my, in my case, and all the tech recruiters will eventually contact you to register with them. Be careful with tech uh, recruiters that are not that professional when you're meeting these tech recruiters. Go to their website, see how good it looks. And I, I hate to judge a book by its cover, because really shitty tech recruiters could have really nice websites. So it's a it's a bad judge, <laughs> judging a book by its cover. But do they have an address? <laughs> do they have an office? <laughs> Are you going to visit them, meet them in person? Vet a little bit, because most I've met are professional and well-run. So you don't have to vet too too much. But there are a few that will spam your resumes out there. They'll just send... Uh, possible, you know, uh, they'll just send your resume out to, like, everywhere, all over the fucking place. And you don't want that 
because companies will have you on file already. And it's kind of an embarrassing situation if one of the more reputable tech recruiters presents your resume to them as some kind of candidate and they already have you on file because it was spammed to them or something through email. So be careful with that one. Vet a little bit. For the most part, though, actually, most tech recruiters I've found seem to be relatively professional. I talk to them on the phone, and I go to their office and meet them. And I could just be, be getting fooled. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm a total fool. But you you may hear from the bigger ones. Robert Half or, or uh, Robert McKin- was it Morgan McKinley? I don't know. I, there's a, the list goes on and on. So, like I said, Career Cross for me at least is a really convenient way to just hook, get hooked up with all these tech recruiters. So I don't see too much direct hiring. If you look at the jobs up on those sites, they'll be traced back to a tech recruiter or one of those tech contractors that's trying to find someone to dispatch to a certain company. So, of course, that question comes up, is this position Seishine or is it Kayakshine? So, watch out for that one. That is about it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Japanatron, talking about IT. If you want to follow me, I don't know why you do this, because if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know about this, but (laughs) I'll say it anyway. Japanatron.com. I got all my, you know, social networking links stuff there and all the episodes are up there. That'll take you to the, to the Japanatron podcast section of my main site, which is mondaiji.com. Mondaiji.com has all my blog articles if you like reading instead of listening. It's got uh, other stuff up there too. So basically trying to make life in Japan just a little bit easier for us. All right. You, I'm looking at you. You have a very... Good day. Toodles. Welcome to Japanatron. 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 You have received this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.